Play it, play it, play it, play it. We are gay like a fruit. We are looking like a snack. You are listening to Fruit Snacks. Here we are on another glorious day of quarantine. <laughs> it never ends. Literally never ends. But with that said, my name is Brian. I'm Shane. And you are listening to Fruit Snacks. Let's get into it. are you doing my Shane? I am good. Um, I officially filed for unemployment and that mm-hmm. was like my biggest stress in all of this quarantine because I have a friend who has been trying for the past almost month and a half and still hasn't gotten money. So I was like starting to stress out. Yeah. Um, like I'm fine financially right now, but I can't go a month and a half with like no, no income. income. Um, yeah, so I got really lucky and fortunate, and I got that through, and so now I'm just coasting. I'm on the I'm on the fence of like doing it because like we got our schedules for May, and because of the buyout or the bailout, everyone's on the schedule, but there literally is nothing to fly, so we're all just on the schedule, making bare minimum, but just sitting right. around. Yeah, and like me going on unemployment with the stimulus and all that, I think I could potentially make more, but again, it's like. I haven't heard anyone actually receiving it. It's all talks of like, oh. Receiving unemployment? Not receiving unemployment, but like unemployment with the extra $600 in this and that. Because people uh, are like maxing out on unemployment. I think for California, it's what, 450 I think so. Yeah, a week. So people are receiving that, but I'm like, that's less than what I would need. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Because then people are like, yeah, well, if the 600 comes, but then they haven't received yet. And yeah. then some people like you, where they're like, it took months for it to come. Yeah. And they're like, which sucked because I had no money coming in. But then when it did come, they were like, I it's felt so rich. Check, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but I guess we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. So for today, I have one thing that I wanted to bring up with Abigail Disney. And just a little backstory. Um, I looked at multiple news sources. But what I'm going to mainly quote is from CNN. And they say that the outspoken family heiress, who is um, obviously the last name Disney, she's not affiliated with the company, but she's just family ties obviously with the company yeah, i think i read walt is her great uncle yes yeah something like that um she slammed disney's decision to furlough theme park employees after the company paid dividend dividends to shareholders and gave exec- executives big bonuses the walt disney company this week over his plan to furlough um over a hundred thousand workers during the coronavirus outbreak which obviously affects me and my friends because we work in entertainment there Mm -hmm. but just going for further she called on executives to give up some of their already ample compensation and wrote that 1.5 billion dollars in bonuses could have paid for three months salary to frontline workers and it's going to people who have already been collecting uh, egregious bonuses for years so just to kind of give you a little bit of backstory, um, I looked it up. Um, top executives at Disney, including CEO, current CEO Bob Chapek, I think that's how you say it, Chapek, and former CEO Bob Iger announced last month that they would be taking pay cuts for the year amid the pandemic, which um, just to give you a little um, insight, Bob Iger made $47.5 million in 2019, but I as guess his salary as his like takeaway. Okay. Um, but the current CEO, I guess his base salary is $2 million. Um, mm. but they don't get paid just their base salary. When you're a shareholder, right. you get the amount that like the company makes over the years. You get a, yeah. you get a piece of that, which makes sense. Cause a lot of companies, when they pay their CEO, 
their their income is based on the success of the company because that's what right. drives it. So it's almost like working in a sales quote unquote position, but literally they're making like crazy amounts of uh, money. And I know that Disney Abigail last uh, in 2018, she like was on the front lines to fight for um, employees to make a minimum of fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah. Which I know when we started at Disney back, well, for me, 2010, when did you get hired? 2009. Um, 2009. So it was just a year apart. But when you start like in parades, it's like 960. Yeah. That's which what I started is up. crazy. Yeah. Um, even back then, though, that was not, you couldn't make shit off that. Uh-uh. Um, and then on top of that, especially working in entertainment, like you only do the parade and go home. It's not like you're working a full shift. Mm-hmm. So if you only have one parade, that's like a four hour minimum. And yeah. you only do that three or four days a week. It's like crazy. But um, she also flagged the majority of the executives' annual pay does not come um, from their salaries. Um, And just, again, as a little um, comparison, Iger, his compensation is 900 times the medium wage. So he makes 900 times more than your average employee that works at Disney. I can't even fathom how how much money that is. Honestly. Honestly. I feel like even if I made like seventy thousand a year, that I'm not rich, but I would. I feel like that I could be like yeah. comfortable, you know. I I would be so much more than comfortable on that. On seventy thousand. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I know it's crazy because like I we were just talking about this the other day with friends. I was like, what what constitutes as rich and. For me, I was like, what constitutes as being rich? Because they were like, well, I can't just buy anything. Like, if I wanted to buy a yacht, I can't. So is that rich? Or I can't buy all these homes. Is that rich? But I'm like, if you could buy things that you obviously need and still save, to me, that's rich. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to say no to any of the day-to-day purchases. And with that said, you could still save. That's rich to me. I'm like, if I could get to that stability, to me, I'm like, yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But what is your take on all of this Disney stuff since you've come from that world? Well, I love that she calls out the situation being on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think it's like any political statement, any political <clears throat> um, uh, conversation that, that needs to take place where it's not just the people who are suffering from any given situation that need to fight it's the people not suffering that need Mm -hmm. to fight Mm -hmm. um almost more so uh because they have a bigger voice and and they can speak on the other side of of all of it but um how much i don't know how much she's worth like i'm sure she's worth a lot yeah yeah i don't know like i don't know how all of that affects her Mm -hmm. like if they were to take away all that money would would that affect her? Would she be as outspoken? I, like I think she would be just as outspoken. Um, I'll bring it up later with more information about this. But I do want to I do want to say that from what I understand of the articles that I researched, that she's more of a social, uh, like fighter. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously, being an heir tied to the name, like mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna be well off. I'm sure she's yeah. fine. But I also don't think that what she's fighting. Um, necessarily affects her one way or another. I think that her just her moral code and her compass and what she always says in interviews is like, yes, this doesn't affect me and my pay, but I do wear this name with pride and I Mm -hmm. would want people to respect my family name going forward. And I'm like a hundred percent. Yeah. My whole thing on this is that I love that people are realizing that money isn't everything. Mm Mm-hmm. 
um, in the sense that I feel like with American culture, we place money value over a lot of people's personal needs. Yeah. Like if it doesn't make money, it doesn't have any value. And I like that companies are getting called out for that. Um, because realistically, like Disney is the success that Disney's at because of the people on the front line, right? right? Like Bob Iger isn't out there shaking people's hands, making these personal experiences with all these people who keep coming back to this brand. Um, and collectively, I feel like all the quote unquote little people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the frontline workers are what makes the magic happen. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like someone who works in custodial, like at the park might not necessarily be quote unquote making magic, Uh but for them to keep the park clean gives the opportunity for people to not have to look at a dirty park to like, live in the fantasy. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that, that through line yeah. makes it happen. So I'm like, yes, these people who are at the bottom of the totem pole, which I don't see it that way, but in the, in the sense of salary or pay or hourly, mm-hmm. like if you're making the least because your job is like the least qualified or yeah. whatever, you still have a heavy hand in making the success of this company. So it's like, I'm glad that companies are being called out for not supporting their, employees right you know like everyone's disposable if you can't make us money you're gone but i'm like no everyone is making you your dollar so you need to like respect everyone yeah well i mean when you think about like the price of an of an annual pass and how high that's gotten in the past few years just to cover all the expenses of like what disney's put back into the park Mm -hmm. like that money like like she said could have gone to to three months worth of wages for you and our friends and and everybody who we don't know who lost their job right you know um luckily like what you were saying with unemployment a lot of us are covered right now almost to our full salary at least through the end of july but to know that that money isn't being put towards anything good it's just going back into the pockets of the people who don't need it yeah because they've been making that much for the past however many years they've been in those positions is absurd well i feel like okay so wait reiterate on that thought okay so like Abigail Disney was outspoken about it's not like this is the first time that all these people have gotten this much money in terms of bonuses and stuff. This is what they've been making. Shareholders. So like, uh, like I'll say um, at my company, our CEO is foregoing his salary for, I believe, six full months, like his entire salary. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that includes these bonuses that like these CEOs get. I think he's foregoing his base Base salary. Yeah. You can forego way more than that. Not necessarily for six months. Like, I'm sure when you're making that much, much, you give yourself expenses that require a lot of that money because otherwise you're taxed like crazy. Um, But, like, you can afford to give up more than however much they're giving up, especially when you're laying off that many people. Like, sorry, sell a fucking mansion, you know, like, if you need need to conserve cash flow. But, like... I don't even remember the point that I made that you asked me to reiterate. Well, just adding to that, like, I I get what you're saying, but also, like, in defense to the other side, it's like they probably worked really hard to get into that position. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the rules, right? It's not like they write the rules on how they get paid. They just sign up based off of what kind of contract is written into this, like, agreement of being a CEO. So it's like I understand where it's like, can you really fault the person for not – giving up the money they earned because if you earn more than someone who made less than you and then someone was like, well, you're fine. Mm-hmm. You need to, you like you, you shouldn't be able to have coffee. Like that's not a necessity. So why yeah. don't you spend that money you would for coffee and give it to me? That's kind of where like, I see the kind of line of like, is it fair for them to have to give all that up? 
or is there a line of like, yes, the work they put in, they should have, they should be able to reap the benefits. Yeah. But also with that said, it's like at a certain point, yes. Yeah. No, well, <laughs> it's like extreme. Like, I agree with you hundred percent. I think, I don't think that we can fault people in the sense of they probably did work most of them very hard to get to where they're at. So I understand reaping the rewards of those positions, but you're laying off a hundred thousand people. That is so many people. And like, what if I'm, I'm sure that they would still lay off a hundred thousand people if the government didn't pass that stimulus that was covering an extra 600 every week, which means all of those people would be living off of $400 a week. Mm -hmm. Like, Again, I understand you taking the rewards that you're quote unquote deserved, but to be allowing that many other people to just suffer when they have dedicated all of their time to protecting your brand. Right. And again, like you said, a lot of their payout comes from like stock or or essentially like the success of the company that they're working for. That company is built amongst all of those workers that Mm -hmm. you're letting go, you know, and I understand you can't protect every single person like that's almost kind of ludicrous to assume one person should have to. Mm -hmm. But to know that like you're still raking in an unfathomable amount of money while all these people are like wondering where their groceries are going to come from in a week is, is insane. Right. For me, it's like, I'm no expert in business. I will, I'll be the first one to say that. Yeah. And again, like I'm, I, I don't foresee myself doing something like that, but like based on my certain, my current moral compass, I'm going to sneeze. I think coronavirus, <laughs> um, I think I'm good. I feel like with my current moral compass, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be okay for me to just see all these people lose their job while mm-hmm. I'm sitting here under all this money that I obviously don't need. Right. And I use this as an example. Cause like when I go help at the gym a ton, I don't get paid for that shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Like yesterday I was at the cheer gym cleaning it. Mind you, let me say this. It was safe. No one was there. It was yeah. just me and another coach. We were cleaning everything, but, um, I work at this gym for free because could I ask for money? Yes. But I know that that would take away from the experience of the people who I actually think benefit from this program. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to take money from that, you know? Um, And I feel like that's where it's at, where if I were a CEO, and again, this is just me on my current life. I don't know what it takes to get to that point. So maybe once I get to that point or if I ever do, I'll be like, oh, no, that money is my money. Yeah. But in this current where I'm at in my life, I'm like, no, I would absolutely forego my earnings, especially Mm -hmm. if it's like that much money. You know what I mean? Like, I don't ever foresee me needing that much money. Do I want that much money? Absolutely. So if you're out there, money, find me. (laughs) Find me money. But yeah, I don't know. Well, and there was a little bit, just to kind of round this out, there was a little bit that I read on on this topic Mm -hmm. with Abigail speaking out. And it was talking about how majority of like the millions and millions that were paid out in stock and bonuses went to the already top 10% wealthiest people within the company. It's like that's, and I think what this all comes down to is a much bigger discussion on how we as a society needs to start redistributing wealth. Right. Um, Because once you kind of surpass that level of, of actual wealth, it's almost like there's no stopping you. Like everything just props you up at that Mm -hmm. point. Um, So it is like maybe a little unfair to put all of that pressure on those people um, because they've just, I mean, assumingly played by the rules and gotten to where they are, but, but honestly, like how much control and power they have when 
all of the money that like should be distributed to people who need it is just going back to the people who don't necessarily need it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's well, like here's a the big thing. Conversation. I guess we can end on this. The people who are benefiting from those rules are probably the same people who wrote the rules. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like if we wrote the rules, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be the game would not be played this way. Yeah. So I think that's partly why they can sleep and still make money. While mm-hmm. if we sleep, we are in a deficit. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. this week really special um it's funny because um even though shane and i now live on the same coast i don't know why we decided to have someone on the opposite coast to <laughs> fucking interview because like, we're desperate clearly we're desperate but you guys don't worry we're not traveling this is going to be over the phone interview so if if this sounds sounds crazy that's on brand <laughs> wait p.s let me backtrack we're not desperate and that's why we're resorting to this uh, to this guest <laughs> we're desperate to have guests because we want more special guests yeah. and coronavirus has made it next to impossible so uh, our first like choice to record from afar is our friend on the east coast and so without- but we never did this with me and you i know which is so weird we we made it harder for ourselves we actually flew because we're committed to this mm-hmm. podcast you guys hear that <laughs> um but but without further ado do you want to introduce this guest me yeah oh okay um I like to call him my brother. Um, I don't know what anybody else calls him. I call him faggot. Great. I call him stupid bitch. We love that. I call that motherfucker dumbass. <laughs> but that is our friend, Brian <laughs> Shaw. Brian with an I. <laughs> oh my God. That was the best introduction in the world. And everything was true. Brother, faggot. <laughs> How are you, my dear? <laughs> I'm good. I am stuck inside, but I am happy to be talking to you guys, talking to someone. So as we said earlier, um, this is a bi-coastal interview because Brian is actually now living in New York. Um, I know New York got hit pretty bad with the coronavirus. Do you want to explain, like, has it been really as bad as, like, the news has been saying? Honestly, like, I haven't gone outside as much as I've seen people on social media going Mm -hmm. outside, even in, like, the safe umbrella. So I honestly don't know how to answer that question, but I know that like for myself, the few times I have gone out, it just seems like a lot of people aren't taking it seriously. Yeah. So it almost makes it worse for us who are taking it seriously, you know? So um, we're talking like people with no masks, like coughing. I had this one guy, I'm not even kidding. I was walking down the street and we're supposed to be six feet apart. And he walked towards me and started laughing because he thought it was would be funny to to see what my and I know that shit would stress you the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) I was so stressed out. I started sweating and peeing. I was like, "What the hell?" Just peeing as you walk. I was giving him dirty looks, but he couldn't tell because of my mask. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what's so funny too, because I feel like people um, when you're out in public and they're like talking to you, you don't even realize because you're like, "Wait, what?" (laughs) Because like you you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. You learn a lot from people's eyes now. What have you been doing to try to pass the time on this quarantine? Ooh, girl. <laughs> it's hard, right? Because you wake up and you're like lazy and, and then you're like, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z today. But then you never get to it because it's just like, oh, I can do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm, yeah. But um, I've been trying to do workouts at home in my little, little apartment with my cat. <laughs> And let's see, I'm doing a lot of jigsaw puzzles. You turned into like a 80 year old woman. (laughs) 
honestly, like, girl, me and my cat, my puzzles. <laughs> I have binged every season of Survivor too, but it, it's like, I don't know if you do this when you watch reality TV, but like, do you ever feel like, oh, I could do that too? Like oh, you watch 100%. a baking show and you're like, oh my God, I'm like going to be the best baker one day. And 100%. You watch that Project Runway and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to be the best designer one day. So now I'm like, I'm going to be on Survivor. <laughs> I mean, realistically, we're living through Survivor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um so let's go back to the beginning because uh, i always like to go back to where it all started well we've been friends for how many years now like eight years oh yeah. yeah eight years um we met through disney performing together and then shane how do you know um brian brian was it celebrate like my first parade at disney that we met or was it more through auditioning i want to say it was celebrate okay because you were a singer yeah. i was a dancer Mm -hmm. So we had that connection, but I think we started seeing each other at a few auditions, like within yep. one year's time. What prompted us to call each other brother? Was it <laughs> that we got clumped together because we, we look That's alike? That's exactly right. Like, right. I swear people would be like, I, we've hung out before, right? And I'm like, no, you're thinking of Shane. No, <laughs> you're it's a completely different human. But the fact that we both, you know, work at Disneyland. And, and people are racist and clump all white people together. Like, Girl, we're victims. Uh, shut the <laughs> fuck up. Stupid bitches. <laughs> All these blue eyes. But if you guys were to, like, show up in an audition, for sure you'd be going for the same role. Yeah. Plus size big girl. <laughs> <laughs> now, what brings you to New York? Okay, well... You know, as performers, we all have our dreams, right? Our big dreams. But um, for me, it was always to be on Broadway. And I always tried to come out to New York to um, to audition and see if there are any shows that I can get in or any any opportunities that may, came up, may have come up. I would just fly out here and try to audition. And finally, I did that and it worked and I got a job out here. So now I'm doing Frozen on Broadway. Ooh! Yeah! <laughs> So that's what me brought me out here. And, and now that the quarantine happened, it's what's keeping me out here, baby. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that, uh, that was a great summary, but it made it sound kind of easy. How long did it actually take for you to make it on Broadway? Um, wow. Let's see. 33 years. <laughs> it takes forever. Yeah. Like, because the fact of the matter is the jobs are so, there's just not that many of them, especially with our types. So a type is, you know, like what your physical characteristics are or what you bring to the table as far as what casting mm -hmm. needs. So that can like really funnel it down into just a small group right. of people. And so let's say you're going to an audition and, you know, they're only looking for this specific look. And if you fit that and you're the best for the mm -hmm. part, then then you get it. It just takes a long time for that to happen in some cases. In other cases, it happens really fast, and that's awesome for those people. But that's not everyone's situation, so it, it really can take a long time. And for me, it was actually when I was 32. That's when I finally, you know, made this dream a reality. It's interesting that you bring up fitting a mold because, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Frozen is a colorblind casting show. Well, first, let's pause there. Okay. Explain colorblind casting to us, if you will, Brian. So in every show, you know, there are different parts. And sometimes within, for instance, with Frozen, we're used to an animated movie where uh, maybe the characters look a certain way. And then there's also maybe a family where everyone is genealogy is within the same ethnicity. However, what Disney is doing, they are not looking at that. They are casting people who are just right for the role as far as talent is concerned. Maybe what the character's 
personality quirks are, their vocal type. Maybe somebody fits that role exactly, but they don't have the right skin tone or they don't have the right hair color. You know, they they will look past that in order to tell the story and not have a visual representation of what the animated film is. Right, because it seems like that's more of the trend now too, especially on Broadway, where... Um, what was it? The Cursed Child, the um, Harry, Potter. Harry Potter sequel, where Hermione's black, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I like that. What was the... That's pretty cool. Did we see that for the first time in a really big production in Hamilton? Because I'm pretty sure Hamilton was like the first big Broadway show that I felt like I saw like more so of the colorblind casting in. Is that Does that go back further than that? Like, Or did Hamilton just sort of like mainstream it? I think they mainstreamed it. Okay. I, there's definitely like within Disney. I know that um, like Tony Braxton played Belle. Oh, okay. I'm sure. I'm sure that that is like the main. Yes, that's definitely the main show that brought it. Mainstream. Wait, what was that movie that Disney did? Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Was it with Cinderella? Brandy, Whoopi Goldberg. Yes. yes. Yeah, it was like Whoopi Goldberg. Because who like was Jason the guy Alexander who she fell in love with? He was an Asian. I don't know his. <laughs> he name. was an Asian guy an with Asian a black actor. black mom and a white, and a white dad, dad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. They were ahead of the game. Um, <laughs> but that one wasn't Disney. Yeah. It wasn't. No, that was Roger and Hammerstein. Cinderella. Uh, yeah. Never mind. Disney was not ahead <laughs> of the game. I just assumed Disney because it was a fairy tale. So when you were auditioning for all these shows on Broadway before getting casted in Frozen. I know that you were living here in Los Angeles. Explain to me how that um, audition process went. Like, were they having auditions in LA or were they, or did you have to go to New York for that? That's a great question. So with Frozen in general, they have a lot of productions that were coming out at, at one time. So they were holding a lot of auditions for all the different productions. So I was actually in California and flew out to New York for these auditions. And through that audition process a spot opened up on Broadway so they brought me in to audition for that that specific track which is um, basically a sub a swing so we cover a whole bunch of different roles within the show in case anyone gets sick or injured the show can still happen and I I slide into it what is it like being a swing on Broadway what is that um, what is that rehearsal process like because I can I can only imagine how difficult it is to come into one role on Broadway let alone multiple roles yeah so i do 12 tracks in the show so a track holy shit a track is one you do 12 tracks yeah oh my god girl you're booked and blessed i know it's crazy (laughs) okay humble brag (laughs) (laughs) girl yeah i do 12 uh roles and there's only three it's crazy listen when you but you know how it is it's like you're proud of it no your producer director choreographer (laughs) show you're the spotlight runner you're the usher let me show you where your seat is (laughs) yeah let me wipe off your makeup Let me do a couple of these lines real quick before I put your wig on. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So like, you know, a track is one individual's show from beginning to end and what they do backstage. So I do, you know, 12 of those of those tracks. So rehearsing for all of those tracks can be Mm -hmm. difficult. But once you once you have a few tracks under your belt and you've done them, then everything is almost like a deviation of those tracks. So it becomes a little bit easier. I'm sure once you see the puzzle as a whole, like as a whole show, it's easier to plug, but how much time did they give you to learn all of those 12 roles? So they gave me two weeks to learn my first track and then one week to learn my second track. And then every other track besides that then was my responsibility to learn when I wasn't in the show. So if I, let's say show up to the show that night and everyone is on, then it is my responsibility to then watch the show, take notes, 
watch from backstage, take notes. And then when the day comes that I have to go on for those tracks, um, if there is like a few hours notice, then I can ask the dance captain, hey, you know, how, how what, what exactly is this traffic here? Like, how do I get from point A to point B? And then they'll kind of like go in depth on it. But did you find that to be a stressful process? Luckily, I've done similar positions in the past. So I was knowledgeable as far as what anxiety levels were going to be like. I will say it was very stressful, but it was also very rewarding in, in the end because like I pushed through and I made it, you know, and, and mm-hmm. nobody talk heard. about professionalism. Yeah. That's entrusting so much in somebody like assuming that you just learn all of the positions after your, your weeks that they give you and you need to go into a role. They just expect that you know it, you know? Absolutely. It's almost like, wait, are you sure you trust, you trust me? Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Like I can make the show stop in a second, but it was all good. You know, I did it. Right. You're a professional. Well, thank you. They said she could do wigs. She could do lighting, directing, ushering. (laughs) Can you make popcorn? Because we need a popcorn stand operator. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do you know how to clean a toilet? And you're like, yeah, I got it. I I can do it all. (laughs) I can do all of it. Speaking of when all this started happening, all the quarantine stuff, for some reason, there was a box of like gloves in one of the bathrooms in the theater and I just stole it because I was like I think I may need this (laughs) I've been using those gloves see that's resourcefulness that's where you are where you are that's right the universe gives you gifts and you let them shine (laughs) (laughs) I want to go back into the audition process again because I always feel like that's like the most stressful part of getting a role because getting to that audition is one hump and then getting past the audition is another. So could you break it down from like day one to where you are now? Kind of like the day to day as far as like what auditioning is like for you being on Broadway? So um, in with Frozen, I went to what they call an open call, which is where you look at the audition online and then you show up. And when you show up, there are just so many people. Um, they put you in groups and then you go into a room and then there is a choreographer or a dance captain or somebody who's affiliated with the actual workings of the show um, teaching you a dance combination. We did the dance combination. They make a cut. And then they had me sing a little bit of a song. And then from there, I had a call back again. It depends on, you know, what show, what needs are, are happening within the show. But for me, what it was was partnering. Within our show, we do a lot of lifting of the girls. So we have to pick them up in like multiple different ways. Like I'm not even kidding. There's one where we call it like WrestleMania because we pick up the girl <laughs> as if they like we're wrestling them and they're in a ball gown and we literally spin them around. And I'm like, whoa, it's cr- it's crazy. Like the things that they make you do. So of course they want to check to see if you can do all that stuff. But in my audition process <laughs> for this, oh my God, I'm not even kidding. So they videotape you while you're doing this. I literally had to do this like fan kick with my leg. I kicked the camera that... <laughs> The person who was filming it, I, I literally kicked it. And then we finished the combination and I turned around and I was all, I, I kicked the camera. I kicked the camera. <laughs> I fully outed myself and everybody was just staring at me like, who is this weirdo? Like, <laughs> Not to mention, like, people know each other. It's like a networking of people, but I'm like the California kid who doesn't know anyone. So they're like, who is this guy? <laughs> so anyways, they were like, okay, like, just do um, squat really low during this one part, Brian, squat really low. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. So I squat really low and I pick her up and my pants literally ripped the entire butt out. My butt was out. I put her down in the middle like of your, the combination. Like your butt plug falls out. Fell it's out. like I'm bouncing around the floor. Kicking, kicking it around. It's leaving on this, a little snail trail. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's wild. So I ripped my pants, all these things. I 
thought I got cut, so I'm like about to leave, and then I'm in the bathroom, literally peeing at a urinal, <laughs> and the door slats, like comes flying open, and this woman is like, "Brian, Brian, are you in there? Brian Shaw?" And I was like, literally, I turned around with with my dick out, <laughs> midstream, and I was like, "What? What?" She was like, "We want you to read a scene." Sorry, I'm just so glad I caught you before you left. Before you left, and I was like, "Okay." So then, they have you cold read a scene. So. Wait, explain cold read for us real quick. So a cold read is when you don't have any preparation. So they literally just give it to you. You don't have time to look over it. You just act. And you just hope that you're just like giving them what they want. <laughs> so I'm like talking and they're like, okay, can we do it again? But can yeah. you can you speak lower? Because obviously all of you this whole time have been thinking, that's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> like, could you take the purse out of your throat <laughs> put that to the side i'm like um i will try my best yes. wait give us so, give us give us an example of what that sounded like yeah man so i was like hey um hey princess anna what's up girl <laughs> i wouldn't even guess that that was you <laughs> you want to get some tequila <laughs> that's why i did that you said hey girl <laughs> so i did that <laughs> girl you know I had to lower my voice. My balls had to drop right then and there. And I said, okay. <laughs> I just dropped them. So anyways, I did that. And then they, they called me and I got, I got the job. <laughs> They're like, we want that woman. She can, she can make the popcorn and act like a man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the one. No, but they also had me sing like really, really high and really, really low. Because within like the swing position, you have to cover right. all mm. these different people who do all sorts of different things in the show. So they wanted to see me act. They wanted to hear how high I can sing, how low I can sing. They wanted to see me lift people, dance by myself, like just all these, all these things. So that that is the process of auditioning. Right. Did you did you feel like any part of that audition process made it seem more complicated than the show itself? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's the case with a lot of auditions. Right. And it's almost like they're just trying to see how much you can do yeah. because they'd mm. rather like maybe hire somebody who could do more than what's called of the show. Right. I don't know just to cover their bases but definitely in this in this situation it was the same right yeah. yeah i feel like in my experience when it comes to auditioning they always want to see your max peak level and anything below that is usually what happens because they want to know your limit so they know what they're working with but it's so annoying because you're like literally killing yourself in this audition mm -hmm. and they're like okay you're just gonna do five cute jumping jacks and then that's gonna be it <laughs> five five cute <laughs> once the show jacks. opens you know <laughs> yeah just cute not ugly cute jumping jacks <laughs> Okay, so they call you and they offer you the job. What does that contract look like? And I don't mean financially, but I mean, like, is it a year? Is it a two-year contract? Does it mean you have to come to New York right away? Like, what, what happens after they offer you that job? Yeah, definitely. So, like, in my situation, it was a very, it was an immediate replacement. Okay. So, I had to, I got the call on a Friday and I flew out on Monday and started rehearsal on a Tuesday. Wow. And... For me, like when I first hired in, I was what they call a vacation swing. So I I only was there when they knew people were going to be gone, mm -hmm. right? So like if you put in for your vacation at your normal job, it's like like that. Right. So I was only there for a couple weeks at a time. So they were a bunch of small little contracts. Okay. Um, but I'm now full-time there. So, okay. And you said that um, you booked the show at 32, mm -hmm. right? Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> bitch we all getting old it's no big oh. um i would imagine that leading up to this this big break for you to uh -huh. be on broadway and what you've been working towards you've received quite a few no's right mm -hmm. auditioning is not easy and you do it so often that you hear no's quite quite a lot 
Um, and not necessarily like you mentioned earlier, it's not necessarily the talent that they're saying no to as much as just the fit for the role. Explain to the listeners how um, you kind of get immune to hearing no all the time, because I would imagine that's like quite taxing on your emotional and mental health. I mean, you hear no all the time, all the time. And so it's almost like finding that your self-worth doesn't come from hearing yes, like from a job. So it's almost like taking the small things from the audition, like did I improve in these ways that I wanted to improve or... Um, you know, did I kick my leg higher? You know, did these dance classes help me with my balance or like these small things you start to take, you start to take away the smaller, um, accomplishments for sure. I think what's hardest is, is being immersed in the community and hearing that other people like, you know, were asked back, you know, call back or got the job or whatever. Those are the moments, those are the moments that I feel more like it hits me harder because I'm so happy for everyone, but I, I, you know, would naturally want the opportunity too. you know, I want, I was there too, you know, I want, I want, why didn't I have what, what it, what it took, you know, and they did. Totally. Which is interesting. Do you, do you think your community falls more within the realm of other performers? Because we've all been there, you know, like, like I said earlier, we've all gotten no. So it's like hard because you do compare yourself. It's a lot like social media where it's like you compare yourself and be like, oh, this person has a better body or has prettier hair or better face. When really it's like them being successful has nothing to do with you, but you take it upon yourself because you're like, I have, you know, I can offer just as much as they offer, mm-hmm. yet they're getting the yes. And yeah, like maybe you might feel that um, you're more deserving, but then also... I think every time you get a no and then you finally get the yes, you realize, you know what, maybe I wasn't ready, but it's hard to like discern that when you don't know if a yes is ever coming. (laughs) Yeah. And then also on the flip side of it, when you do get a yes, like, is it what you expected? Are there still like shortcomings within the yes, you know, and like, is the grass always greener? Are you always like trying to, you know, make things bigger and more successful, which is good. I feel like it's important to keep reaching for the best, but you know, that are you back in that same position? So that's when it goes back into the mindset of like, what is most, you know, you have to like have that community of love and on the venture of no, because I feel like it's always cool to talk about people's failures so that people get a real sense of like, how everyone has come a long way, because you know, it's easy to just celebrate the successes. But I feel like it's better to look at the, the losses. What other shows have you auditioned for that you didn't get a yes, that are on Broadway that you like wanted to be a part of? Oh my God, through the years, so many. And we're talking like auditions where I was down to the wire, where it was like down to like me and another person almost Mm. in some cases. Um, So like through the years, it was like Spider-Man. Like I remember that one vividly because they had the callback process was crazy. And they were like, you need to come into the theater and like be put on wires because like people were like flying and like in the theater and like throughout the audience and stuff. Didn't get that. Um, Matilda, that was one I was so excited for because the choreography was so fun. Mm. Didn't get that. Um, when I was like 19, they did like a revival of a chorus line and I was up for, you know, like one of those main characters, Kinky Boots. That was one that like got away so many times. I guess my high voice wasn't enough. (laughs) I got that hook (laughs) I can totally see you in Kinky Boots. Oh, thank you. I I remember working together like at Disney doing MAP and like every month you'd be like flying back and forth to New York trying to get auditions and you'd be like, I almost got it. I almost got it. And every time you'd be like, I don't want to talk about it because I feel like if I talk about it, <laughs> the superstition is going to get my ass. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is like, you start to play games of like, I'm not even going to tell anyone that I'm going to go into this audition because 
then the letdown yeah. of people asking me like did you get it is almost just a reminder that it was a no yeah right. yeah you know and then you wonder like what if what if these things did happen how different would my life look uh-huh. you know Oh, at the same time, it's just like, I'm happy with, with where I'm at, you know? All those failures, like you said, like the no's and the failures, like make you appreciate what you do have, which is awesome. But in the moments of those no's, like they fucking suck. Being based in that commonality with other performers, what is life backstage like on Broadway? And you don't have to get into the nitty gritty of like calling people out, but just in general, like showing up to work, I can imagine joining a cast of like veteran Broadway performers must be a little intimidating for anybody. No, call them out. I want the nitty gritty. We want the D's. (laughs) Oh my God. No, I will say though, Shane, like that's exactly it. Like for some reason when this show was was starting because i joined a year after it was open uh-huh it was like the show the show to get so that's exactly right like i work with some people who like have been their resume is so long right. it's like you know like i feel so privileged to be there with 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 a cast like the one i had mm-hmm. have um but that does come with like a lot of insecurity with myself right like i'm right. like i'm not do i say the right th- what do i say like how do i portray myself to be like to like fit in um, but ultimately like everyone is just as crazy as me. Like I'm so stupid and weird and I say the weirdest things and they laugh. Like they love it. Like, and they say weird things and I laugh at them. So like, it really is that commonality is just, we're all weirdos. Yeah. Like, and I, I'm so, I'm so like lucky. Of course there are, everyone has their bad days. I have my bad days. Other people have their bad days, especially working in a Disney show. You have to show up and smile. And you guys know that from working at Disneyland for so long. Like, even if you're having a bad day, you have to still smile to the little two-year-old child. <laughs> little Betsy Lou. So, little Betsy Lou needs a little high five. Is, is performer end goal for you? Or do you eventually want to do other things uh, within Broadway or entertainment in general? Um, as far as a career goes, I mean, I would love... I would love to marry like loving where I live and loving my job. Like I haven't found that marriage yet. And so what's hard about entertainment right now is like who you are and your social media presence and what's on your resume. Like what, what, Mm -hmm. you know, so now that I've done a Broadway show, like if I come back to LA, maybe it'll get me into more rooms. Listen, I just want to make money at this point. (laughs) I want to make money. I want like more than a one bedroom apartment. Like I want. Bitch, you do make money. You got your twelve hundred dollars stimulus check, right? Ooh, girl. <laughs> Don't spend it all in one place. You know what I thought about <laughs> using that money for? What? I thought about getting like an acrylic nail set. I love that on Amazon and and practicing on Nick. <laughs> <laughs> what has this world come to? <laughs> this, the government is thinking we're gonna use it towards food or rent or <laughs> we're like, no. Ooh, I, I've been I've been I've been waiting to get that acrylic set. <laughs> Oh yeah, girl, that gel polish look good. Go in the dark, yes. Ombre all the way. I can't. So I know that we just mentioned about um, TV and film in LA, and then also the the, the Broadway on the new. Oh my god, <laughs> that's all, folks. I feel like this Prozac really has got me go- got me fucked up. Okay, like I feel like my brain is not. <laughs> I feel like my brain is not on like a single thought process. Let me see if I could get this question out. Okay. Okay. Give it to me. We talk about TV and film. And mm-hmm. when you look at like movie stars and TV stars, a lot of the stuff they film is like years in advance. And by the time it comes out, they're already on to the next project. Right. But when it comes to being on broad uh, on Broadway and live stage, once you're done performing, you come out of the side door and now you're par- back part of the world. Right. Is it weird 
or have you had any weird encounters with fans like waiting for you to exit and like approaching you in that sense and really could like potentially follow you home and know where you live i have not encountered that on broadway like you can in new york walk a half a block and then there's so many people you can like get lost Mm -hmm. so i actually haven't encountered that i don't know about like the stars of my of like of frozen i'm sure they get it a lot more than like than me like i i know that they have a car that will take them after the show but i think it's like pretty like no i've never encountered and i feel like maybe as far as new york there's probably more etiquette towards that than there is like in la where la it's like i want to know everything about you (laughs) right exactly exactly like we have remember ryan mccartan Mm -hmm. from yeah so he's like a you know disney channel star and all this stuff well Brian and I first. Wait, met. okay. So Ryan McCartan did uh, Magical Map with yeah. us. He was a Sebastian Flynn yeah. singer, which is funny. When I was working with him, I did not know he was on what's the show, Live and Maddie? I, something like that. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. Some Disney show. And then he started dating Dove Cameron. And then he left the show, our show that mm-hmm. we were doing. And I didn't realize he was like, quote unquote, famous. And yeah. then I stumbled upon his like Instagram. And I was like, wait, he has like millions of, fo- like legit yeah. millions of followers. Yeah. I was like, oh shit. He was like a for real celebrity. Exactly. And I'm like, thinking this idiot <laughs> well i think well, i think what it is is that we're older than him you totally. know what i mean like he has a his demographic is just was a younger person True. and now they're like probably their late teens early 20s now but he is like the lead of our show oh i didn't know that he's he's hans yeah oh my um, god how full circle is that i know it's so crazy so he i'm sure gets it all the time but he like you know knows how to handle it and i think he's he's figured it out right does but he lives in new york though right yeah he lives in new york but i think he's like he left for quarantine baby i see mm. speaking of quarantine um obviously i'm assuming broadway is on lockdown right like mm-hmm. there's no live shows going on when did that start oh my god it started what was that march 12th and then it's going till well it originally was going to be a month until april 12th and now it's going until june 7th Whoa. oh my gosh so what does that look like for you guys like are you unemployed at this point yeah so luckily working for disney they took care of us for a couple weeks um and then yeah now i'm on unemployment waiting for the show to open back oh wow up. but you're gar- everybody's just guaranteed their positions once everything opens back up right as far as i know yeah um okay. at least with our show definitely yeah um, i don't i know that some people had um, other opportunities lined up that they were supposed to leave during this time. Oh. So I don't know if those opportunities fell through and that they're going to stay, wow. you know, like it's just kind of up in the air still. People are still just trying to figure yeah. it out for me. At least I'm, I'm going to stay with the show because this whole quarantine thing has put things into perspective for me as far as like where I'm at right now. Are you, Oh, I was just going to ask if you were planning on doing Broadway bears, but I'm yeah, assuming that's not it, happening it's this not year. Happening. It's so crazy. Like all these things that we're used to happening within the Broadway community that we look forward to even pride. Yeah. It's like, I was going to say pride was just officially canceled in New York. That's so crazy. It is really sad, especially because we just came from world pride last year. Exactly. Were you here in the city during it? Yeah. Remember that's when we ran into each other on the street. Oh my God. I forgot it was on that day. That's hilarious. It was on that day. Yeah. 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 The parade day. Oh my how God. How dare you forget how you saw your brother. I, thought, <laughs> I didn't remember that it was pride. Well, because well, I had no idea you were in New York, but the first time we really ran into each other um, crossing paths in New York was on a random subway stop. Yes. And it was like it was like rush hour for New Yorkers, and it was like so crowded and so hot in that subway station. But I was like, Brian? And it was just like such a coincidence that we happened to be crossing in that station. Like New York is so crazy in that way. Like right. you run into people 
that you haven't seen in years. It's so weird. Totally. Yeah. Let's round it out with this. What would you tell a young starlet trying to make it? Like, uh, see, this is where Prozac is kicking in again. (laughs) I'm like, I see the thought process and then my brain's just like, food. (laughs) I'm thirsty. Okay, let's try this again. What would you tell a young person trying to come up in the entertainment world? What, What would be like three key pieces of advice that you would give them? I don't know. Oh my God. Three key pieces of advice. I would say stay positive. And I don't, I know that's so cliche, but like you really do have to find what it is for you to stay positive. Um, for me, it's alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So one, be an alcoholic. Great. Okay. I was actually going to say like, just the, just the like handful of times that you and I have interacted together in person. I see you as a positive person. Oh, thank you. Like you come across as a very outgoing, um, optimistic personality and it's uh, i can attest to at least from what i see to you maintaining that positivity thank you i during these hard times i will take that little ray of sunshine big ray of sunshine and (laughs) hold on to that keep me positive great wait nice no no mm -mm. you don't you're not around around brian enough this bitch (laughs) being a being a dressing room with this motherfucker oh my god you'll see all the shades of pride remember that time that you were like in a really bad mood and i was like what's wrong you're like i'm just not in a good mood i was like we need a fashion show and you're like what and i was like get towels we need a fashion show (laughs) well i had a really good reason to be in a bad mood if you remember correctly it's true no it's true you are a very positive person i'm just giving you shit for it but literally um he was in such a bad mood and in one of the like in between one of the shows at disney I was like, we need a fashion show. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, just grab towels and shut the fuck up. <laughs> and it was, we had a runway fashion show off where we we had to create three looks with just towels. And we were partnered up, right? It was me and you. And then who else yes, was participating? Matt, was it Matt and Jeremy? Matt and Matt? Jeremy, yeah. Jeremy um, now is with Wicked, right? On Broadway. Yes. Or not yeah. anymore. Okay, yeah. So our friend Jeremy, Matt, and then me and Brian. And me and Brian were on a team, Jared and Matt, or Jeremy and Matt were on a team, and we um, would model ball gowns made out of towels. <laughs> <laughs> and we made three looks, and the girls in the uh, on the girl side of the dressing room, all the girl dancers, um, we walked in and gave them a show, and they voted for the best looks, and we won. Oh my god, you need to include this that on like, your um, Instagram, a picture of, I have the picture. Oh, you do? Okay, photos. yeah, send we'll us the photos, them. we'll post them on the, the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. But we won, we won. We did win, we fucking won, and we won that day, because you are no longer in a bad mood. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so two. That was good. Okay, okay, two. Um, I would say, okay, so this is going to be kind of vague, but stay ready. Like, I feel like if you have your preparation and your training in line, so when these auditions do come up, you don't feel like, oh, I missed out on it because I wasn't ready. Right. Because, you know, like... I feel like people are like, oh, my God, it was just luck. But it's not luck when you're ready because when the opportunity – like, opportunities will always come, but you have to be prepared to, like, show up as well, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. getting the opportunities step one, but showing up for the opportunity is step two. And I think that's actually really good advice is yeah. just always stay prepared. Absolutely. And it's hard to do that, and sometimes it's daunting. But I think if you if you do it, it'll pay off. It'll mm-hmm, pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, and the last one, I would say – like be a joy to work with. And and by that, I don't mean like stay positive like the first one. I mean like have good work ethics. So when you do have jobs, because people talk, right. you know, people ask, have you worked with this person? You know, were they fun to work with? Were they bad to work with? Did they talk back? First of all, I think it's important to for yourself to just stay in that in that space. But also it's important 
to have that with your the community of your cast or whoever you're working with to just ha- be somebody who is a joy to work with. And I'm not saying be fake, but you know, check yourself at the door and just realize it's a job that you want and that you know, you're going to have down days, but don't take it out on people for for no reason, which I think in the in the entertainment world, you know, we have a lot of divas in the in the world and we, we don't need more of them. Well, yeah, I mean, so. especially within entertainment, you're not only showing up to work every day with one another, but you have to, you have to like what you were saying before, put on a show together and you have to interact together and you have to trust one another when it comes to partner stuff mm-hmm. and, you know, performing together. So yeah. it, it is, who do you want to spend that time with? Exactly. You know, on and off stage. Like who do you want to be around yeah, so, every day? So basically not Brian. Right. <clears throat> just kidding. Same. <laughs> no, but you know what's funny? You say that I have been that bitch in certain casts, but I know when I'm becoming that bitch and I will exit stage left. <laughs> <laughs> purse first. First. I, I grab the purse from your throat and I walk out. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like, what the heck, man? Where's my purse? <laughs> So for the end of each episode, we do a segment called In Season, and this is just something that we take interest in for the week. Um, It could be something serious or something silly, but whatever you want to share to our listeners of what you did or took interest in for this week, month, year, whatever, um, I'm going to give you time to think about it, but I'll let Shane start us off. So Shane, what's your In Season for us this week? I have never been one to talk like this, but running... I wanted to start running actually when I was living in New York, like through Central Park. I thought it was such this picturesque moment of work of exercise instead of just sitting on a treadmill. But um, I don't like all the weather nonsense in New York. So like when I see people running through Central Park in like wintertime and they're it looks like they have frostbite. I'm like, that's not for me. (laughs) But being back in Southern California without rubbing this in. Brian, sorry. um, Being able to like run along the beach, along the ocean has been like so nice um yeah and so I like downloaded an app to to start like tracking my progress and I'm excited to run because I can't go to a gym right now yeah yeah that's good yeah um for me I'm gonna go along the health line but not health for me health for the earth for some reason I've been obsessed with like plants I know I've always like been kind of like on the radar of plants for like house plants. But now my obsession has been taken outside. I know for my birthday, I just planted three trees, a mango tree, a lemon tree and a lime tree. But then the other day I literally just planted uh, five palm trees <laughs> in my front yard. And I just want to fucking make a whole damn like jungle, jungle in my front yard. It's so bad. Um, so yeah, this week for me is being mother earth. That's my in season. <laughs> <laughs> and then Brian, what is your in season for the week? Ooh, okay. Well, along the lines of being a mother, um, I want to foster kittens. I want to be a little mother to the kittens because of everything that's going on, and it's kitten season, which means all these all these pussies, you know, they've been having babies, and these little pussies need homes. So are you me, are you snatching these little pussies off the street? Yeah, girl. I gotta help them. I gotta snatch oh, them no. puss. 
It may be pussy season, but, but it's real- also allergy season. And combining <laughs> those two together is just not it. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, like foster. Well, you know, like nobody can leave anywhere, go yeah. anywhere to foster or adopt or anything. So it's like. I don't know. There are just so many cute little kittens that I want to well, help. Well, I'm happy and... you exist because I've seen a lot of posts about people fostering dogs, but I've never thought about fostering cats. <laughs> I feel like they've just oh, been left out. Yeah. Everyone loves dogs, but not everyone loves cats. True. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> to be a cat lady. Little witchy cat cat girl, Janice. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Broccoli. <laughs> You know what's sad? Okay, so people, if you don't know, I I was like feeding the neighborhood cat. I named it Broccoli. I don't even know what the fuck its name was, but I named it Broccoli. I don't know why that came to mind. And Brian has been following the story, so he always asks me about Broccoli because he's a fucking cat woman. (laughs) Dude, not to rain on your parade, but I haven't seen Broccoli in like three months. I think that motherfucker got snatched by a coyote. (gasps) Oh, no. Are there coyotes near you? Surprisingly, yeah. What? I know Long Beach is wild. We live in the wild, especially because I have a jungle in my front yard now. Well, I support you uh-uh. t- snatching the cats off the street. Mm. How many cats are you trying to get? Well, that's the thing. I will take whatever you know, whatever they give me, because I'm. I just want to. I want to help them. So whatever <laughs> they give me. Okay. Well, on that note, you get your pussy. I get the only kind of pussy I ever want. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Brian, thank you so much for doing this. We really, this really do appreciate fun. it. It's not like you had anything going on anyway, so on. <laughs> I'm glad you could have squeezed us into your very busy schedule. Oh, I love to squeeze. <laughs> As always, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Fruit Snacks Podcast. If you have any questions for Brian, please write in to us at Fruit Snacks Pod on our Instagram, or you can email us at fruitsnackspod at gmail.com. And Brian, where can the listeners find you? Brian Shaw underscore blue on Instagram. That's all I have. Brian with an I. Brian Brian with an I. I. Brian Shaw underscore blue, because that's my favorite. Blue. We'll connect it to to, um, the description, so if you guys just want to scroll down, you can find all our Instagrams, what we just said. And is there anything else you wanted to end with? I love you guys. (laughs) (laughs) We love you. I don't say I love, so. uh, I know, you never say I'm glad you're here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we'll talk to you later, and you guys, we'll catch you next week on Fruit Snacks. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey guys, so for this week on Fruit Facts, there are only two facts that we have to fact check throughout the episode this week. The first one comes from Abigail Disney. We questioned about her inheritance. According to the Business Insider, she mentions that her net worth is over $120 million. And I think it's obvious that she inherits money from her family earnings throughout the years that Walt Disney Company has been a company, but she decided to say incoming quality is a game changer that we're living in right now, which she told to CNN tonight on June 24th. We're creating a superclass so far above the vast majority of people that they don't share the same planet anymore. It is cited also that Disney has given away $70 million of her personal fortune over the past 30 years, so she is definitely one advocate for income equality and she definitely puts her money where her mouth is um secondly shane mentioned that his ceo is foregoing his um salary for the next six months during this coronavirus just to help the company out we were questioning if it is his entire salary or just what his base rate is so after looking on bizjournals.com his ceo makes over nine hundred thousand dollars for the year which means if you break that in half for six months that's four hundred fifty thousand dollars but he does still make his profit from his stock awards and options so he does make a, a profit from the bonuses 
excuse me, he does make a profit. Or he does make a salary from the profit of bonuses he makes, but then his base salary is what he's foregoing for the year. That's it for the fruit facts that we needed to check. But as always, thank you guys so much for listening and we will check you next or check you. Oh my gosh. My words are so brain dead. I think it's quarantine. You guys, let's try that again. We will catch you next week (laughs) on fruit facts. All right. Take care. Bye.